me invite you to turn to Romans chapter 5 this morning. Romans chapter 5. A child at a young age comes to know that his life was not initiated by him. He asks the question, Mommy, where did I come from? He realizes that he's part of something that's much bigger than himself. That he is not the source of his own life. And I think there's a turning point in every Christian's life when they come to the realization that they had nothing to do with their own spiritual life. They come to see their salvation as 0% a result of their own efforts and 100% a result of God's work through Christ's salvation. And the book, the book of Romans helps, pulls off, helps to pull off the blinders for us, doesn't it? We've seen in chapters 1-3 that we are not justified by works. Our right standing before God has nothing to do with what we have done because by nature we are rebels to God's laws. And we are perpetual violators of it. And therefore, we stand condemned before God, unable to change our position apart from God. We are floating down a river toward destruction, completely without life, and we can do nothing to change course and reverse our direction. Only God can rescue us. And He does that through the great work of Jesus Christ, and that He died for sinners and conquered sin and death through His resurrection. And all those who have denied their own ability to come to God and have trusted in what Christ has done alone have righteousness credited to their account. And the implications of that are great. Last week we saw them. We have peace with God, chapter 5, verse 1. And we have confidence in trials that God is on our side, verses 2 through 5. And then we also know that that we are confident that we will be spared from future judgment, verses 6-11. through 11. Here, in verses 12 to the end of the chapter, Paul wants to show how we can be justified by virtue of our union with Christ. How is that possible? Paul, if what you're saying is true, that we are not justified on the basis of what we do, but on the basis of what Christ does, then how does that transaction work? And that's what he's going to show us this morning. And I'm excited to, to go through this passage with you beginning in verse 12. So let me begin reading for us. This is the Word of God. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned, and the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. For the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation, But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So then, as through one transgression, 
there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one the many will be made righteous. The law came in so that the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul wants us to be clear about two main ideas this morning. First, we are condemned because our federal of our federal representative Adam. We are condemned because of our father Adam. We need to understand that we are condemned because of Adam. And then secondly, we need to see that we are justified because of our federal representative, Christ. So first, we are condemned because of our representative, Adam, verses 12 through 17. Notice the first word there in verse 12. It is, therefore. Paul often continues his thoughts from what he had been teaching before. He's not starting a brand new idea. Instead, he's saying, because of what I just finished writing, this is what you need to know. And what was he just writing about? He was showing that, as I mentioned earlier, we are not justified by works but by God's grace. It was all of God. And the implications of that are that we have peace with God. We have peace with God. We have salvation from final wrath. We have salvation despite trials. Here here Paul is not trying to prove in verses 12 to 21 that Adam's sin... uh, He's not trying to prove that Adam's sin has universal consequences. He already assumes that you know that. That Adam's sin's his sin has universal consequences. Instead, what he's trying to prove is that Christ's righteousness proves or works to cancel out the sins and the consequences that Adam brought about. He wants us to understand what Christ did to reverse what Adam had done. Now, in order for us to understand this foundational point, first, what we should assume, and that is that Adam is our representative. And when he sinned, it, it brought death and condemnation to us. In order to understand this, I think we need to understand the structure of the passage. So let me go back to verse 12 and show you how Paul is trying to explain this. Verse 12, Therefore, just as, notice that phrase, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and death spread to all men because all sin. And then if you have a New American Standard, you have an, you have an end dash, which is a long dash. And, and the reason he's doing that is because now he's going to give a parenthetical thought He's going to stop and give, give a thought about all of that before he finishes the sentence. So verses 13 through 17 are what we would call a parenthesis. It's a break in thought to try to explain something before he moves on to the end of the, the sentence. Did you notice that it didn't end in verse 12? Just as through one man sin entered the world, then what? What, what, Paul? What happened? Notice how he continues in verse 18. So then... As through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. So he's, he's doing this comparison. Just as in sin, in Adam we all sin, we all die, we are all condemned, so as in Christ, verse 18, we all live, we all have righteousness. So you need to understand that in order to see what he's doing because now what you're going to see is that verses 13 through 17 just explain verse 12. 
Okay, so really, verse 12 is connected to verse 18. He's, he's just taking a break in, in explaining that. So let's look at that first part, which is that we are condemned because of our representative Adam. We first thing that he wants us to see is that we all sinned in Adam. Paul is stating what he assumes that we already know. That, that we all sinned in Adam. That, that sin and de- death entered the world because of our father, Adam. And this is what is called federal headship or representative headship or original sin. That we sinned in Adam. We died because of Adam. We stand condemned because of Adam. How could we do this? How could we sin in Adam? We weren't there. We weren't there when Adam sinned. We didn't make the choice. Adam made the choice. So how can we sin in Adam? John Murray explains in his book, The Imputation of Adam's Sin. He says, Federal representation means that when each person comes into being, he is depraved. We know this, don't we? From Psalm 51, In sin did my mother conceive me. Or John 3, 6, That which is born of the flesh is what? It's flesh. Ephesians 2, 3, We were by nature children of wrath. Spend some time with some toddlers and you know that everyone is born in sin. They are born from the, from the very time that they are conceived. They are depraved human beings. And that is because of the sin of Adam. But we didn't sin. We didn't first start sinning when we sinned in Adam. We didn't sin at the time of Adam, but in some way, Adam became our representative head. He, When he acted, it was as if we were acting with him. So that everyone who is born of a father and a mother, that is natural generation, would be sinners. Obviously, you understand, I, I say it that way because Christ was not born of a father and a mother, but simply a mother that God was the one who put Christ into the womb of Mary. And so he was, he was freed from that representative headship of Adam. He was not in Adam in that way. Now, you might think, well, the reason that I die, the reason that I stand condemned is because of my sin. And there is a sense in which that is true, but that's not what the text says. Look at verse 12 again. Just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin. It came through one man and your death and condemnation came as a result of one man. Verse 13, For until the law was sin, uh, until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. And yet, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam. Every human born of natural generation is born in sin. Even if they don't have the clear law before their eyes, like during the time of Adam to Moses. Adam had a law. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Of good and evil, and he disobeyed. Moses had the law. He had it clearly spelled out for him. And he, he disobeyed it, and so did all who followed him. But what about the people between that time? What about the people between the time of Adam and the time of Moses? And and what Paul is saying here in verses 13 and 14 is that even though they didn't have the law, they were still counted as sinners because they had sinned in Adam. They were still deserving of death because they had sinned in Adam. They were still condemned by God. So you have these several generations of people who stood condemned under the sentence of death 
but not because they were guilty of explicitly disobeying the the Mosaic law, but rather because all people from Adam to Moses, just as all people after Moses, stood condemned because they were sinners in Adam. Adam was their representative head. And so what that tells us is that all people born of natural generation are born with Adam as their head. That they are sinners. We are sinners because we are sinners in Adam. We sin because we are sinners, not the other way around. We are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners in Adam. We are united with Adam in sin. So that when He violated God's law, it was as if we did as well. And as a result, verses 15-17, to we all stand condemned and die because of Adam. We all stand condemned and die because of Adam. Now, you might not be convinced that our sinful constitution, that is, that we are sinners, and our condemnation and our physical death all come as a result of our relationship in Adam, but if that's the case for you, you don't quite get it. You don't see it. Then verses 15 to 17 help prove that. And what I want you to notice here, let me just take you back even to verse 12 and show you in the text that it was a result of Adam's sin, not your sin, that you are constituted a sinner, that you are condemned, and that you die. It was because of Adam's sin. Notice the text and, and notice the phrase, one man or the one. Verse 12, Therefore, just as through one Man, sin entered into the world. Verse 15, By the transgression of the one, the many died. That's talking about Adam. Notice it doesn't say that the many died because of their own individual sins. They died because of the one, because of Adam's sin. It doesn't say by the transgression of the many, the many died. It was by the transgression of the one, the many died. We all died because Adam sinned. Verse 16, the second part of the verse, judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation, I would say, for all. Not just condemnation for Adam, yes, but condemnation for all. Verse 17, by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one. Verse 18, through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men. Verse 19, through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Your constitution... As a sinner, your condemnation, your death are all a result of your relationship with Adam. And you can't change that relationship on your own. And so what we learn from all this biblical data is that condemnation to all did not come because of transgression by all. But your death, your condemnation, your depravity as a sinner all come because of Adam's one act of disobedience. You die because of Adam's sin. You are condemned because of Adam's sin. You are a sinner because of Adam's sin. You are not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you are a sinner in Adam. And the same goes for me and every other human being who was born of natural generation. Now, truthfully, if what Paul is saying is true, we hate this idea, don't we? I mean, how could Adam be our representative head? I mean, who told him to do what he did? It's as if God gave him the power of attorney over us. Our power of attorney. And he is now acting 
as if He's acting for us. And what did He do? He failed. But we don't want Adam making decisions for us, do we? We want to choose for ourselves. Why don't you give me a clean slate, God, and let me choose? But the truth is that Adam is our perfect representative head. He's our perfect power of attorney. He did exactly what we would have done in his sandals. And that's why I say perfect. Not in that he was sinless, but in that he did exactly what we, each of us, would have done in his sandals. Is that not true? And so in Adam, we sinned. And in Adam, we are condemned. And in Adam, we are condemned to death. But if you're feeling discouraged right now, let me tell you that this is the best news that you will hear all day. That Adam represented you in your sin. And the reason that this is good news is because it makes it possible for what Adam pointed to. If Adam is your representative, then it opens the door for Christ being your representative. Look at verse 14 at the end of the verse. I'll just read the whole verse. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam till Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. And here's the good news. Because Adam was your representative in your sin, you can also be represented by Christ in His righteousness. And that's the good news. That's the second part of the point that Paul is making in verses 18 to 20, 21. And that is that we are justified because of our representative Christ. We are declared to be righteous on the basis of Christ being our power of attorney. Now, Christ's obedience is different from Adam's disobedience. It's different in a few ways. Verse 15, The free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift of the grace of the one man, Jesus, abound to the many. You see its difference there. The free gift is not like the transgression in that it caused all to die because of the one sin, and yet the grace actually abounded to all those who would believe. Verse 16, The free gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. On the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. And so the point is that when we are condemned, it is justice, isn't it? When we are condemned to death, it is justice because it comes from our sin in Adam. We were declared to be unrighteous by virtue of our sin in Adam. And so Christ's gift is different because we are declared righteous not because of what we have done in Adam, but, but, but what Christ has done through grace. But Christ, Christ's act is similar to Adam's act, and we see that in several ways. Verse 17, Much more those who receive grace and gift will reign. Verse 18, Even so, through one act of righteousness, there results a justification of life to all men. So, just as in Adam we all sin, so also in Christ we are all made or declared to be righteous, that is, justified before God. Verse 19, Even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. Verse 21, Grace reigned in righteousness. And the point that, that Paul is making is that, yes, there are some differences between Christ's 
act of obedience and Adam's act of disobedience, but there are also a lot of similarities in that both of them, as a result of one act, it affected everyone within that group. Now, you might be thinking, well, this sounds like universalism. Right? If, if in Adam we all die, and in Christ then we all live, then everyone lives. Universalism is the idea that, that every single human being will be reconciled to God at some point in this life or the next. But that's not what Paul is teaching at all, and that, was, that is actually against what the Scriptures teach. That would be a false doctrine. Look at verse 18. The second part of the verse says, Even so, so through one act of righteousness there resulted in justification of life to all men. You might be thinking, well, well, if that's all men, that's all men, right? All means all here, right? But, if that, but, but in this case, Paul's not talking about all in that sense. He's not talking about all in the same sense as he does in 3.23 where he says, for all have sinned. That's including everyone. And we know that's the case because of Romans 3.10. There is none righteous, no, not one. So that means, yes, it is all does mean all in Romans 3.23, but here it doesn't. Here it means all that trust in Christ. That is, even so through the act of righteousness, verse 18, there results a justification of life to all men who trust in Christ. And the reason we know that is because of the second part of verse 17. We'll just read the whole verse. For if by the transgression of the one, that's talking about Adam, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace. You see how that qualifies this all here? It's not including everyone in the entire world or everyone who ever has been born. It's only including those who, verse 17, receive the abundance of grace and the gift who will reign with the One, Jesus Christ. So in this case, Christ affects those who are His just as much, as Douglas Moo puts it, just as much as Adam does with those who are His. So Adam, he affects all those who are His and who are His? every single person who's born of natural generation. Christ affects all those who are His. And who are His? All those who are born of, we could say, spiritual generation. That is, that they have trusted in Christ. They have received the gift of grace. So we have this connection between Adam and Christ. Look at verse 19 to help further solidify this. For as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners... Even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. We become sinners by virtue of our unity with Adam. That was God's choice. He chose to make us one with Adam. Make us uh, unified with Adam in our sin. But here's the good news. We are unified in Christ also on the basis of God's decision. And the difference between the two is that our unity with Adam is due to our sinning in Adam. But here's the difference. Our unity with Christ has nothing to do with our righteousness, does it? It's all of Christ. That's why he says, so where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. Where sin abounded, it was clear that we were in Adam. That 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 was a good relationship. But where where we came to have a relationship with Christ, we saw it all of grace. Because where we were with Adam in our sin, in his sin, we are not with Christ in His righteousness in that we contributed nothing to it. 
We deserve death and condemnation because of our sin. But we in no way deserve the righteousness and the life that comes from having this unity in Christ. Now in verses 20 and 21, Paul amplifies the point that justification comes as a gift by virtue of our undeserved union with Christ. Verses 20 and 21. He wants to show that the law pushes us farther away. He says the law came in, verse 20, so that the transgression would increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We looked into the water of our soul and we saw all this murky, floating, nasty things in it. And we tried to cleanse it from all the impurities that we could. So we took a little sifter and, and took, off all the, took out all the heavy, nasty things. And we looked at that water and it looked pretty clear. But then the law came along and looked into the water of our soul. And instead of just looking at the surface level, it used a, micro, a magnifying glass or a microscope so that inside that water we could really see all of our impurities. That's what the law came about to do. It showed us how, mu- how many ter- terrible, nasty organisms were living inside the water of our soul. Even though we may have cleaned a lot of things up on the outside, the law shined the light in and said, you are evil before the holy God. You see, the law didn't come in to remove our purity. It was not the magnifying glass. But rather, it was to show how evil we were. I remember the first time that I watched our local newscasters in high definition. I'm not sure how many years ago that was now, but before HD, they looked pretty good. You know, they looked like they were had pretty clean, smooth faces. But then you see them in HD and you see them for all their imperfections, don't you? I'm sure the same would happen for us as well. And that's the nature of the law. It puts things in HD. The law comes along to show us that that we are in Adam. That, that in a sense, we are just like Adam. That, that we would do the same as Adam. It shows us, yes, it is true, we are evil. That we violate God's clear commands, even though we know them. We know much more about Adam. About what God demands. And even though we know those things, we still violate His commands. And so we see Adam in ourselves in that way. But what did God do? even though our sin abounded. Look at the next line, verse 20. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Despite the fact that we intensified sin in in committing it, even though we knew what God demanded, God's grace came along and abounded all the more. And the purpose of that grace abounding is so that we would receive this free gift from God that results in righteousness and life. Friends, this is the Gospel that we love. That we sinned in Adam and were deserving of condemnation because of Adam. And we in many ways are no different from Adam. But we receive the gift of of Christ's righteousness not because we're like Christ, but because we we are recipients of His grace. This is the Gospel. And as Rico Tice puts it, He says, if it's not the best news that you have ever heard, then you can be sure that you don't understand it. Notice the last phrase, how this is all made possible in verse 21, through Jesus Christ, 
our Lord. Now maybe you don't like this setup that God has made. God has made Adam our, effectively our power of attorney. But suppose that, that you and I were born morally neutral. That, that we were like Adam when he was first created. We had neither sinned nor... Uh, we, we, had no, we hadn't shown ourselves. We haven't proven ourselves. And let's pretend that, that Adam was not our representative in sin. Let's pretend that this passage hadn't been written and, and we are not representatives or, or he is not our representative in sin. What do you think would happen when you were faced with a compelling temptation? Would you obey God's command? Or would you defy him like Adam did? I think it's clear that we would all do as Adam did. We would all fun, fall under the mastery of sin and we would need to be bailed out. But if that were the case, if somehow we did not have Adam as our representative head and we made the choice for ourselves and we were standing condemned now before God, deserving of His eternal wrath, do you see how that, that, that it doesn't work now for us to come to Christ? Because if we don't have a representative in Adam... That, that He is our representative in sin and, and bringing about death and condemnation for all men, then now no longer can we have Christ as our representative. Now we come to Christ with all of our condemnation, having sinned on our own volition, and we come to Christ and we say, now we want to, to be spared from you. But that's not how it works. In order for Christ to be our representative, we need Adam to be our representative in sin and condemnation. And, death. and that's why it's good news, because it paves the way for Christ to be our representative head in our righteousness, in our paying the penalty for sin, in freeing us from condemnation and death. You see, Christ comes along with the power of attorney and He acts in our place and He grants to us much more than we would imagine and much more than we could do for ourselves. And He turns our spiritual debt into spiritual surplus so that God loves us just as much as He loves Jesus. Let me say that a different way. God loves you as much as He loves His Son, Jesus. Christ comes along and turns our sentence of condemnation and debt into a reward of kingship and heavenly prizes and eternal joy. And this reminds us that our salvation comes solely from God. And therefore, we must rely upon Him completely and that we must not try to add anything to what Christ has done. And so let me just encourage you this morning to find joy in the grace of Jesus today. Find joy in the grace of Jesus today. Listen to the Puritan writer Robert Trail. He says, There is more grace in Jesus than there is sin in me. Has your life been a life that's marked by sin and maybe some terrifying and horrific sins? And there's more grace in Jesus than there is sin in you. He goes on to say, we are all undone if it was not so. If Christ's righteousness is not more able to justify than the first Adam's sin is able to condemn, then no man can be saved. The grace of God shines in this way of the justification of a sinner by the righteousness of Christ and that there is an abundance of it imparted to all of them who partake of it. So what union more aptly describes you this morning? 
Are you still united with Adam in sin? And condemnation and death. If you are being ruled by sin and death, then you are getting exactly what you deserve. Or are you? is your life more marked by being united with Christ? Is this what defines you as a person? It's not what you have done. It's not the, the, the evil sins that you've committed. It's not the rough road that you've had to go down. It's your union with Christ and His propitiation and His righteousness. If you're re- being ruled by grace this morning, then you're getting exactly what you don't deserve. God's grace comes to you as a gift. So where sin increased, where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for Your grace. You have turned our mourning into dancing, Lord. And so our feet are filled with Your praise. You have loosed our sackcloths and girded us with gladness so that our soul would sing praise to You and not be silent. O Lord God, we will sing praise to You and give thanks to You forever and ever.